You know, John's gospel, as John opened his gospel, began this way, and I want to pray in a moment. But as John reminded the world that when Jesus came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as people watched Jesus, John said this, and we beheld his glory. The miracle of the king's arrival from that tomb is the basis of our salvation. If Jesus died and stayed dead, if he is not risen, then neither shall we be risen. But he is alive. And multitudes saw him. And so would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the beauty of our risen Lord. Jesus, you still bear the scars of the scourging, the nails in your hands, the nail through your feet. But to us, it's beauty. It's our salvation. For indeed, you are risen. As we join together on this Easter morning, waiting for the sun to rise, we join Mary and the other Mary as they race to the tomb. Peter and John will come along later. Lord, would you meet us in this place? Would this be a tabernacle to your name? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to them, or you can touch and swipe whichever you're doing this morning. You can actually see your lit up cell phone screen. Amen. We'll be in Matthew chapter 28, the first 15 verses, if you turn there. And it says, now after Sabbath, and remember that this is Passover week, and so Jesus was hastily removed from the cross as the spear is thrust into his side, as he takes that taste of sin, that sponge filled with fermented wine uh, on the branch of hyssop, and as he takes that taste of sin, he gives up his spirit. But he's removed from the cross. He's brought to this tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And for all intents and purposes, so far as the disciples knew, as far as anyone who loved the Lord Jesus knew, because they weren't gathered around the tomb waiting for him to come out, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the the mother of Joseph, were actually coming to finish the burial process. So we pick up the story, and now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, just as it is right now, this very moment, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to see the tomb. They came to gawk. They came to look. They came, the rest of the gospel authors tell us, to finish the burial process. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from its door, and he sat on it. And you can almost see the humor in this. 
The angel, of course, already knew what had happened. And he was not rolling the stone back so Jesus could come out. Jesus was already raised. He rolled the stone away so that Mary and Mary and Peter and John could look in and see that he's not there. And his countenance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him. And they became as dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And then the wonderful news. But he's not here. You're looking in the wrong place. Because the grave could not hold him. For he is risen. Just as he said. You remember the reason he got in trouble? As we've been studying through John's gospel. He said, I will destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He wasn't talking about Herod's temple. He was talking about his own body. And that body was now raised. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as he went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! And so they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled the elders and they consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. You have to love the story. You know, when you can't abide in the truth, any lie will do. When you don't believe what has actually happened, then you have to make something up. And that was the case for these soldiers, professional guards, whose lives depended on the fact that Jesus stayed in that tomb. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. Look, we'll cover for our own lie here. And they took the money and did as they were instructed, saying that this is commonly reported among the Jews to this day. You know, as we gather together this morning, this story in some cases almost seems humorous. 
And if you look at all the players, the people involved, you have two Marys, Mary Magdalene, who knew what it was like to be redeemed by the Lord. Mary, the mother of Joseph, who's brokenhearted. You have some that came expecting something, but not knowing what that something was. And then you have the guards who were completely caught off guard, surprised by the scene. You, you have the members of the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and the scribes, who can't believe that their worst nightmare has come to fruition. And let me tell you today, that is very similar to the three basic responses that people have to the resurrection of Christ today. Some people are looking, some people are seeking, some people want to know. Some people are caught off guard by the truth. And some people can't believe it. And in a crowd of this size, I'm sure there are some of all three. There are many of us who came running to see Jesus this morning. Amen? That's why we're here. But in the paranoid mind of those soldiers and in the chief priests and scribes, they were not prepared for what they were about to witness, what they saw. You see, Friday for them, as Jesus was put to death, as Jesus was taken down from the cross, as Jesus was buried, it it was a funeral. And though it was intended to be one for a criminal, it was really one for a king. Fulfilling the very words of the prophet Isaiah, as the prophet Isaiah said that he would be uh, with royalty in his burial. Joseph of Arimathea provided that tomb, a rich man, a leader, a member of the Sanhedrin, someone who Pilate actually respected. And so he asked for the body of Jesus, and Jesus is buried. And as the Sabbath would begin at 6, and Jesus expires at 3, there was very little time. And so here these two Marys are coming with the spices, with which to finish the burial process, because the last thing in the world they wanted to do was to disrespect the body of Jesus. And so they came to do a job. You see, some people come to church to do a job. Some people come and hear the word of the Lord because they're doing their perfunctory duty to make sure they're being religious. Now, we don't know exactly what was in the hearts and the minds of these two Marys, but they had apparently come to finish some work that needed to be done. As much as they loved Jesus, they still believed that he was dead because they came to bury him properly. As Jesus was laid in the ground... Many saw that Jesus was actually dead. There was little doubt. Yet professional Roman executioners had finished the work. All of the proper steps were taken. A crowd of hundreds, if not thousands, saw Jesus beaten, 
saw him march through the streets, saw him nailed to a rough hewn cross. They saw his conversation with the two thieves. They heard him say, Today you will be with me in paradise, to the one who believed. They heard him cry out those seven statements from the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? They heard him say, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And they saw him bow his head. And when that spear was thrust into his side, and when that executioner came to break one of his legs so that he could no longer stand up and take a breath, but it was unnecessary because Jesus was already dead. There was no doubt Jesus was dead. But there was great doubt that he was alive. And it is there that we pick up the story on Easter morning. Mark actually tells us that the women went and purchased spices by the end of Sabbath. They couldn't have done it between when Jesus was buried and and Sunday morning. And so they even hastily went and prepared, believing they were going to have to do something to to keep Jesus' body from being disrespected. They weren't coming to meet a risen Savior. They were coming to bury a dead Savior. But oh, how different that morning would be. The burial process was something that they took very, very seriously. And when the women arise and they run to the tomb and they get there and they see an angel sitting on the stone. They're concerned. It's like, well, where did he go? Who stole his body? And as this earthquake happens... I think it's simply to draw attention to this event. Has the Lord caused an earthquake in your life to draw attention to what he's doing? You see earthquakes come in all kinds of forms. Here in Southern California, we get literal earthquakes. But we get earthquakes in health. We get earthquakes in our marriages. We get earthquakes in our workplace. Earthquakes in our bank accounts. Earthquakes on the freeway. Life is filled with earthquakes. The question is, how are you going to respond to the earthquake? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to turn to? When the Lord causes an earthquake in your life. Are you going to be looking to a risen savior? Or are you going to be looking at a rolled stone? You see the messenger, the angel is sitting on the stone. And Luke's gospel actually gives us some additional details. And he says he was dazzling. He's sitting up there. He's 
a young guy. And that the two guards actually pass out. I would have loved to have been there at that time. Here are these burly, manly Roman guards dressed in their chest armor and shin guards holding their shields, charged with doing exactly one thing under the threat of death, and that's make sure nobody moves that stone. And they're sitting on the stone is this young guy dressed in a white robe, and he's kind of going, so what up? How's it, brother? (laughs) Look at their look on their faces when they realize that the stone is rolled away and they have completely failed as guards. And to make it worse, the one thing that was not supposed to happen has happened. There's a missing dead man. And they're trying to... No wonder they have to make up a story. Well, somebody stole his body. The truth couldn't possibly be true. You see, when people hear the message of grace, they still say, it can't be true. You mean to believe on him is to be saved? Yes. You mean Jesus will take me as I am? Yes. You mean my sins can be forgiven? Yes. You see, the message of the empty tomb is the message of grace. Grace that saves and grace that redeems. Grace that cleanses us from all of our sin. The guards are still looking at it from a human perspective. That's why they became like dead men. Because from a human perspective, they were dead men. That's exactly what they were. Because if they're found out, they are literally dead men. And the same is true today. We turn to our flesh. We turn to that which we know. We turn to the reality of the fact that this is what's happened in my life and I'm a dead man. Instead of turning to Christ, instead of turning to the majestic risen Savior, we turn to other people who are also dead. And I believe there's a lesson in the risen Savior. These men trembled. They were overwhelmed. They were paralyzed by fear. And maybe some of you today are paralyzed by the fear of the things that are going on in your life. Can I tell you Jesus has got it? He's got it. He can handle your fears. He can handle your struggles. He can handle your pain. He can handle your sorrow. He can handle anything that you can bring to him. He can handle Don't be paralyzed with fear. Let your heart be filled with his grace, his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. 
He's in the resurrection business, family. They that believe on him, though they shall die, you're going to die, you will live. Just as Jesus did, amen? That's the promise of that first sunrise. Though it was a literal, literal sun that was dawning, it was also the Son of God. It was made visible to them. And so the angel speaks and he says, don't be afraid. You ever been in a situation in your, in your life? And, you know, I think a vast majority of people, though they may not believe in the Lord Jesus, they actually do believe in angels. You can tell by the number of television programs that are angel-themed. You ever wondered what angels think when they see our responses to the things that go on in our lives? You've you got to know they're sitting on the stone going, oh no, not him again. <laughs> he did this last week. The response hasn't changed. But they're privy to the backstory of our lives. And yet so very often when we think about the eternal, we think about it from a temporal perspective. We have to think about our lives from an eternal perspective. If you're simply looking to the temporal things in your life, you're going to come up short every single time. But if you're looking to the resources of heaven, then you're looking to a risen Savior. And he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think. Anything you can think of, he can do more. Anything you can ask, he's able to perform. You see, this was an impossibility from a human perspective. But it was simple from the mind of God. He created that rock that Jesus passed through. He knew where every atom and every molecule was. He knew what to do with them. He could simply separate them and walk right through it. God can fix your marriage too. God can heal you of drug addiction. God can give you that job that you desperately need. God can take care of that cancer. He can eradicate it. The question is, are you looking for him? Are you looking for Jesus this Easter morning. That's why the angel says he's not here. He's not in a dead, cold tomb. He's alive. You're not going to find him in this hole, in this rock. 
He's alive. He's not confined to the walls of a church. He's alive. I've always found it interesting when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul. You know the main reason that the Apostle Paul kept getting in trouble, and we actually see this in the book of Acts, especially in chapter 25. The scene there, if you studied with us, in Acts 25... Paul has been arrested. He was arrested in Jerusalem. He's accused of sedition. He's taken to Caesarea Maritima, this coastal, beautiful palace that's been built by Herod. He's brought inside of the theater at Caesarea. And he is the entertainment for the whole community, for the whole town of Caesarea, as he is put on trial for two years. Every day the Apostle Paul comes in and he stands before the Bema seat to be judged and people throw out their accusations against him. And time after time after time after time, the one thing that the Apostle Paul keeps repeating, they had questions against him and against the Jewish religion about a certain Jesus whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Amen? That was what he got in trouble for. He kept saying, I'm telling you, he's alive. He's not dead. Nobody stole his body. I met him. I was on the road, I was heading to Damascus, I was going to see if I could find some Christians so I could bring them back to Jerusalem, we were going to kill him, and I met him. He's alive. I hope that gets many of you in trouble as well. Because that's the message of the gospel. Jesus Christ is alive. Our king is alive. That's the miracle of Easter morning. Our king is alive. And he's coming again. Amen? Our king Jesus is not dead. And so very often we think of death in a way that the world thinks of death. You know, as you get older, there's a couple of things that happen. Parts don't work like they used to. You know what I'm saying. Some of you are going, amen. You all of a sudden begin to realize that you're mortal. When you're in your 20s, you believe you're immortal. At least boys do. And so you go about life as if nothing can happen to you that is ever going to end your existence. But then you get to my age, and you meet your chocolate Labrador on the second landing of your stairs in the morning while the lights are off, and you think, Jesus, I'm coming home. (laughs) You all of a sudden realize you're mortal, that your life has an expiration date. And maybe you came today and you're in your 20s and you think, oh, I'm going to live forever. Can I tell you, sadly, you're wrong. 
oh, with the advancement of modern medical technology, you're probably going to unfortunately live longer. But you're not going to live in that mortal body forever. But you are going to live somewhere forever. You're going to be somewhere forever. The question is where? Jesus came to settle that question for us. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that flung the stars into the heavens, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was the firstborn of the resurrected, the resurrection. He did what now will happen for all who believe in him. He exited the tomb. You see, when you travel around, and I've had the opportunity to go to an awful lot of funerals, memorial services, cemeteries, memorial parks, mausoleums. Can I tell you there's a marked difference between going when someone knows the Lord and going when someone does not know the Lord? But there's an interesting thing that's true about all of them. Inside of those graves are bones, or maybe ashes. But inside of Jesus' tomb, there's nothing. Because he's not there. Amen? That's why the women are told, go tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. Which, by the way, is where we'll pick up our story during our morning services. You're going to meet him. You're going to see him. You're going to touch him. And look at the response of these ladies. And I want you to see this for just a moment. What do they do? They do exactly what you would expect if you were meeting your king. They bow down before him and worship him and they grab his feet. They say, King Jesus. They absolutely knew that Jesus was worthy of that worship. There was no doubt in their mind they had seen a miracle. You know, the Apostle Paul, as he reminds the world of a singular truth. Or in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, you know, one day every knee is going to bow to Jesus. Every knee. Not just the knees of believers. The knee of Satan himself. Every demon and every person that's ever rejected him will bow to Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? So when Jesus said, I'm going to see you in Galilee, tell him to meet me there. He was just giving a preview of what still lies ahead. We're all going to meet Jesus one day. 
The only question is, are you going to meet Jesus as a believer in him or as someone who has rejected his grace? That is the only question. And so I ask you this morning, have you met King Jesus? Because he is risen. And he lives forevermore. And he is sitting right now at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you. Jesus' current ministry is as a prayer warrior in heaven for you. He is pleading his own blood over your life right now. He is asking God the Father to do in your life those things which are God's will. The only question is, have you bowed now or will you simply bow later because you will have to? For me, Jesus is my king and I gladly bow now. Amen? Many beheld his glory that day and they would go on and The Apostle Paul will record that there are hundreds, in one case 500, that see Jesus in a single sitting. Jesus is alive. I'm going to ask Shane and Shane to come back up right now, and I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. We're going to have some pastors come forward. They're going to be right up here in the front. And they'll have some Bibles with them and some New Believers packets. And you see, in a very strange way, I've bowed to Jesus. Many of us here have bowed to Jesus. We've invited Christ into our lives. And when we see him, we are definitely going to grab and kiss his feet. And his hands and his head, Jesus is going to get love bombed when we get there. Amen? But maybe some of you, when you came today, that's not the case. Maybe for some of you today, you're going, man, if I lived out my life and took my last breath... I don't know what would happen. You see, you're like those people that were looking at the tomb for the wrong reason. Let me just tell you, Jesus is alive. And he loves you. And he loves you with an undying love. He gave his life so that you could live. He didn't give his life so that you would have to die for your own sins. He died for you. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that grace, but you want to, Shane and Shane are going to lead us in worship. And and believers, I want to ask you right now, would you please begin to pray for those that are here that maybe don't know you, don't know the Lord, but they need to know him. That right now, by the power of the Spirit, God would move in this place. 
And if that's you and you want to know Jesus today, you want to commit your life to him so that you can bow to him as your king. Say thank you because he's forgiven your sin and cleansed you and washed you and made you right before a holy God. If that's you, there's a group of pastors over here in the corner who'd love to pray with you right now. And so just get up from where you are and come and let us pray with you, pray for you, for you to receive Christ. Would you join me and let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask right now by your spirit that you would begin to work in the hearts and the minds of those that are here that do not know you. Lord, we realize that you're calling grace, your saving grace, your amazing grace is sufficient for all of our sins. And we pray, Lord, that right now, for those who have yet to believe, they've not beheld your glory, that they would wait not one day longer. Lord, that today for them would be the day of their salvation. We ask that you would come and and fill our hearts and our minds with your goodness and with your blessing. Lord, and for those who are yet unsaved, Lord, save them. Thank you for meeting us in this place today. Lord, we declare you are our King. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Just come on forward. We want to pray with you. We want you to know him. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And don't put it off because tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. Today is the day. The gospel's been preached. You can know him personally right now. And he wants to be your king. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Be brave. Be bold. Jesus was brave and Jesus was bold for you. Honor him. Honor him. Amen.